0: Welcome to the Eury First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We've been asking some interesting questions lately. What do you think is the most quoted verse in the Bible? How about the most loved? What do you think is the most difficult or the most sobering verses to deal with? We are diving deep into those in a series we call The Most. Today, Pastor Nicole is discussing the most difficult verse in the Bible. She's going to share about a dire warning to all believers And it's important that we hear it and take it seriously. So let's get started today,
1: Hebrew Six One Through Eight. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. The land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned.
2: So last week, we looked at the most quoted verse in the Bible, and today we're going to tackle the most difficult verse in the Bible. Um, I have been wrestling and researching and preparing for this message for the last several weeks, and at one point, um, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, uh, asking him for clarity and some perspective on what he thinks this verse means from a theological standpoint, and he said to me, why are you preaching this again? (laughs) And I said, "Uh, I'm either brave or straight crazy. All right. So what really, really what I said to him, uh, the real reason is it's because I know y'all are up for the challenge. And I know you want the fullness of the word of God, even the hard parts. And that the truth is Every verse in the Bible isn't John three sixteen, <laughs> And so together, we're going to do hard things. That's what I love about my church is that as a family of believers, we don't shy away from the hard things, right? All right, so reassure me here. Are you ready for it? All right, so let's do this to get today. Let's dive into the most difficult, one of the most difficult verses in the Bible. So the verse we're looking at today is in the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish believers um, who had faith in Jesus. And this group of believers were experiencing some suffering for their faith. And so the writer is encouraging them to persevere and pursue a relationship with Jesus. And so the part of Hebrews that we're going to look at today uh, is a warning. The writer of Hebrews is writing this warning out of love for the believers. Now, when I got to thinking about it, most warnings are given out of love. Really, someone recognizes uh, there's danger, there's something ahead of you. Uh, If they love you, they're gonna give you advice, they're gonna give you some wisdom so that you don't have to experience this. If any of you are a parent in the room, that's our whole life, right? I did that, that messed my life up, I don't wanna see you do that, right? Out of love, we're giving them a warning. And so, in fact, if you don't care or you're apathetic in some way, you probably won't bother to even give a warning, about something that's dangerous. I will say, I am sometimes amazed at what humanity actually needs warned about. Am I right? Often, uh, it's some of the most obvious things, like this photo I found near a swimming pool. It says, do not breathe under the water. Yeah, advised. All right, or this one. (laughs) I appreciated that. Okay, the fire is hot. I mean, why do you think you have to put that there? Okay, this sign I would appreciate. I'd be thankful for this warning. Birds poop every 15 minutes. How long have you been standing there? Uh, And this one, I don't know where this sign is posted, but it's downright hysterical. Unattended children will be given an espresso and a free puppy. (laughs) Pastor Quint has a whole slew of kids. He should not go to this place because that would be a crazy day. So Hebrews 6.1 starts by urging the believers to move forward. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. The author of Hebrews wants the believers to progress from milk to solid food. And this, this scripture doesn't pull any punches because it dives pretty immediately into some meat Okay, some chewy meat, um, some meat that uh, you might have at my house, because Joel's always like, you overcooked this. (laughs) It is some chewy meat, okay, some meat that you really have to chew through, you have to pick through. Maybe you can't even hear it the first time and understand it, but you need to go through it and really consider it. And that brings us to one of the most difficult set of verses in the Bible, in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. This is what it says. It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So when we read these verses, we have to ask ourselves the question, does this mean a person can lose his or her salvation. Is a person once saved, always saved? You may have heard that phraseology over the years. Or is there a real possibility that a person can actually fall away from his or her faith? This passage speaks to the issue of eternal security. Now, let me tell you that this theological topic has been hotly debated and discussed by some of the greatest theological minds in the history of the church. We are not the first group of people that are looking at these verses and, and processing them and thinking about what they mean. Today, I'm going to show you the most prominent two ways that these difficult verses are explained so that you understand the theological schools of thought behind them. However, mostly what I want you to hear This morning is the warning. There is a loving warning. There's a warning that the word of God is giving you and giving me through this passage. A warning that we cannot ignore and a warning that will probably likely feel difficult to hear. So let's jump right in. The first question to settle on these verses and probably a good question to ask yourself when you're studying the Bible in general is who is this passage talking about? Who is this passage talking about? Now, Hebrews 6, 4 starts by describing the who. It gives all of these examples of who they're talking about. It's people who have once been enlightened, Uh, people who have tasted the heavenly gift. Tasting, it actually means um, to pursue, excuse me, to perceive, to consume, to discern. And what gift is from heaven? Jesus Christ. And so tasting the heavenly gift. Uh, In fact, some theologians believe this actually describes those who have taken communion, like we just did a few moments ago, or those who have been baptized. It's having this experience, the tasting of a life with Christ. Verse 4 goes on to describe those who have shared in the Holy Spirit. That's what we did this morning when we worshipped. We we got together and we shared in the Holy Spirit together. Spiritual gifts were released and the Holy Spirit was here. Uh, those who have tasted the goodness of the word of God, there's that word tasted again, and, and the powers of the ages to come. And so this uh, this verse is describing, the author of Hebrews is describing a very clear picture that this warning... Is for those who have had all of these experiences and all of these encounters with Jesus and still fall away. This passage is not written for those who have never heard of Jesus. This passage is not written for those who have barely heard of Jesus. It's not written to the lost people who need redeemed. Okay, this, these couple verses, they take a significant time to give you, to clarify the who. And this is really, really crucial because what we know from other scriptures in the Bible is that God desires every person to be saved and every person to come into relationship with him. Remember last week, the most quoted verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is drawing all of those who don't know him into repentance all the time. That is not what this is saying. This is describing a group of people who have already had all these experiences with Jesus. Now, I think the next important thing to understand before we really grasp this verse is Hebrews 6, 6, these words that say fallen away or falling away. What does that mean exactly? What does falling away mean exactly? Well, first, it's really important to know that falling away is not the same as falling into sin. Falling away is not the same as falling into sin. As a believer in Jesus, you are going to struggle at times. Being a human means you're going to have ongoing conflict with temptation. These are the realities of life in a fallen world. First John 1.8 reminds us, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay, we are going to sin. There's going to be times when we struggle. However, the Christian life is to be lived in a positive trajectory of spiritual transformation. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and guides us into the truth and we change. 1 uh, John 3, 6 says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Okay, so we're going to sin. It's going to happen. But no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And so falling into sin, backsliding into sin for any length of time is very different than what the scripture is talking about when it's describing falling away. I want to give you a few examples. Peter in the New Testament, he, he lied. He had a temper problem. He had a trust problem. Yet when he encountered Jesus again, if you remember, he came to Jesus, he actually denied even knowing him, but when he came to Jesus and he repented, Jesus fully restores him. Another example, uh, King David. He lusted after a married woman. He committed adultery with her. He sent her husband to the front lines of the war to be killed. He realized his great sin. He repented before God. And do you remember what the scripture calls him? A man after God's own heart. So I want you to understand when you read these verses that the grace of God is not a revolving door. It's not like we're in his grace and then we sin so we're out. And then we're in his grace again and then we sin so we're out. That's not what it is saying here. We're not in and out of the grace of God based on our mistakes or based on our behavior. As believers in Jesus, we are secure in the hand of God. Romans 8, 38 through 39 reminds us nothing can separate us from the love of God. So don't interpret this passage thinking that when you sin, you might lose your salvation. That is not consistent with the biblical message all throughout the scripture. But it does leave us with, okay, then what does this mean? Because it does say falling away. Well, falling away describes a heart plagued with unbelief. It's describing a person's heart that is so hard that there is an inability to repent. To fall away means to deliberately reject and refuse the truth about the gospel. Not that you don't believe part of it, so that you don't believe some of it, you reject it, you refuse it, you reject and refuse that Christ died on a cross for you. And so after kind of looking at this verse and, and seeing some of the phrases I can, I can paraphrase this Hebrews 6 or 4 through 6 to say: for those who have had all these experiences with Jesus, all these encounters with Jesus, when they fall away, meaning when their heart is plagued with unbelief and they deliberately reject and refuse Christ, it is then impossible for those men and women to repent. Now, across the board. Of Christian churches, there are several thoughts on this passage, but there are really two prominent camps that theologians fall into when they explain what they believe God means when he talks about this difficult Passage when we have this passage, so I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through those two. The first theological school of thought is described as the once saved, always saved stream of thinking, and this might be something that you grew up understanding or knowing. But this idea is that if you accept Christ as your Savior at any time of your life, God saves you and keeps you, and after that moment of after that moment, at no time. No matter what, no matter your behavior, no matter your circumstances, no matter how far you find yourself from God, that you will be eternally secure. And so people that, that, that are in that school of thought, that once saved, always saved school of thought, read this passage. And it's a little challenging because this is actually describing uh, what happens when they fall away. And so if you're in the once saved, always saved uh, theological kind of school of thought, how you would explain this passage is say, okay, well, this must mean that this is referring to false believers who were associated with God's people, but never really truly saved. Basically, the idea is if men and women actually fall away from their faith, they were never really saved in the first place. They couldn't have fully understood the cross of Christ and the empty tomb. They couldn't have fully given their lives in relationship with Jesus, or they never would have fallen away. So the explanation must be that if people actually do fall away, then they never really had that experience with Jesus. Perhaps they knew the knowledge of the Bible, but it was just intellectual. Or perhaps they knew about God, but didn't know God himself. And if this is the correct interpretation of this passage, then, then false believers may think they're in relationship with God, but they really aren't. They have a said faith instead of a saving faith. And the writer is saying, look, then it would be impossible for them to repent because they don't think they need to repent. They're deceived. They don't think they need it. And so it's impossible for them to. That's one school of thought. Okay, another school of thought is that salvation actually can be forfeited and abandoned by rejecting Christ. That you can actually have all of these experiences with God. You can live your life on fire for the Lord, but at a certain time of your life, even after all those encounters with Jesus, you can still let your heart drift so far that you reject the very gift of salvation. This school of thought would say, the condition of your heart matters. Now, God is a loving heavenly Father. He does not desire that any person fall away from salvation, uh, especially this gracious gift he's given us through his son. In Luke 8:13, uh, this particular passage would support this idea of the condition of the heart. It says uh, Jesus is making a point in a parable, and he's saying, Look, some believers they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So if someone forfeits salvation, and rejects Christ, then repentance becomes impossible, morally impossible, because by their deliberate rejection of the truth, they harden their hearts and they place themselves beyond repentance. Matthew 12, 31 speaks about the only sin that is unpardonable, the only sin that cannot be forgiven. It says, and so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. A calculated refusal of the Holy Spirit's witness is the only sin that cannot be forgiven. And so either this passage means if you fall away, you were never a true believer in the first place, or it means you can in fact reject and abandon the free gift of salvation. So, so here's the thing. Either way, whatever school of thought you fall into, you may say to yourself, I've never thought about it. You may say, yes, I'm totally in this camp, or I'm totally in this camp. I've given this a lot of thought. Here's the thing. No matter what, no matter what idea that you think this actually means, the warning is the same. The warning is the same. Remember I said that the most important part of this most difficult verse, you know what it needs to be? It's a loving warning from a loving God. And the warning is this. Do not become complacent. Do not become lukewarm. Do not become lackadaisical in your pursuit of God. Pursue God tenaciously. Pursue God tenaciously, because if you do that, whether you were never, if this explains, well, you were never really a Christian in the first place, then that will put you into a relationship with God. And if this explains that, that people that really experience God could actually fall away, then having a tenaciously pursuit of God will keep you far from that. Do you see that the solution to either of these schools of thought is the same thing? Pursue God tenaciously. Pursue him in the morning and in the evening and in the winter and in the summer and in the mountain and in the valley. And and when you're young and you have your whole life ahead of you and when you're old and when you're tired and when you're broken. Pursue him when the world around you is crumbling or when success is abundant. Pursue God when you have more questions than answers. Pursue God when you're confused or offended or you don't know exactly what he is doing. Pursue God, pursue God, pursue God. That is what the author of Hebrews is trying to help us understand. When I was uh, preparing for this message and praying for, for you all, I had this image in my mind, this prophetic image of a bull rider. And I knew it was prophetic because I don't think about bull riders too much. <laughs> this bull rider hanging onto the saddle of the bull with the tightest grip that he can muster. And the bull is like our lives on earth taking some wild twists and some crazy turns and at times not being as comfortable as we often hope. But the rider is gripping to the saddle like his life depends on it because it does and tenaciously deciding I am never gonna let go. I'm never gonna, it's gonna be easy to let go sometimes, but I'm never gonna let go. And I'm never gonna turn back because this is what I've decided. I've decided that it is true that Jesus died on a cross for me and he was buried in a tomb and he was ra- re- raised again and in three days and he lives now forever. That's what I decided. And so I'm gonna hang on to that saddle with everything I have every day of my life. As a believer in Jesus, this is so, such a cliche thing we often say, but it's so true. You cannot just talk the talk and not walk the walk. And here's why it's dangerous. It's not just for the rest of the world, but it's dangerous to you. Like it's dangerous to the condition of your own heart. Jesus said in Matthew 15 that there are people who honor him with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. And the truth is, if you profess faith in Christ, there must be evidence of fruit in your life. There's a difference between professing to be a Christ follower and actually living it out. Just like there's a difference between saying you love someone and actually living as you do. You can say you love a lot of things, but how you live that out shows how much you love them. And the truth is if there is no spirit of love for God in your life, if there is no joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, if, if there's no life change over all the years that you've confessed to be a Christ follower, if you can't look at your life and say, I used to be that and now I'm this, I used to be that and now I'm this. If you can't have those experiences, if you're sitting around dull and drifting and making excuses. I want you to hear this loving warning in Hebrews today because the scripture talks about a moment in future history when people will come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, I'm here. I'm here to enter into heaven. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. There is a terrible possibility that Hebrews warns against that you can become so dull and so dead and so distant from Jesus that you can drift and depart. And I believe that this scripture is telling us that there is a biblical possibility that you can sin and sin so long that you become hardened beyond fruitfulness. You can become hardened beyond this moment where you can actually turn your heart and repent. And I think one of the reasons the author of Hebrews comes out so strongly with this verse and he uses such strong language is to shock hearts awake to speak to those hearts who are lazy and calloused before it's too late, to wake your heart from slumber. After the first service, I had someone come down to me and say, I'm, I'm scared, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I think I'm living my life for Jesus, and, but I don't know. And, And I assured him, you know, listen, if you know, if you confess Christ with your mouth and there's this assurance that you can know that you're saved, but listen, a little bit of that, a little bit of that shaken up that like, I don't know if I'm as passionate for Jesus as I should be, that's okay. Like, I hope you feel that once in a while that your heart says, man, am I living every single minute? Like, am I dull and distant? Is there anything about my life that's drifting? Because Hebrews 6, four through six is a warning text. It's a warning that's given out of love, this great, an awesome God out of love. And he wants to warn us against the fact that we can get so distracted and so fruitless and so dead that we can end up in a place we never thought we would be. That comes from a loving God. That comes from the heart of a loving God who wants us with him forever. And so this morning, as your pastor, which is the privilege of my life, I love you. And I want you to be all God has created you to be. I want your life to have not one moment, not one day of dull and drifting, but a tenacious pursuit of deciding to follow Jesus. So there it is, one of the most difficult set of verses in the Bible, Hebrews 6. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance to their loss. They are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna sing this classic song. We're gonna declare it today like we mean it. And I want you just to say to the Lord again, where am I not tenaciously pursuing you? Because I have decided. I'm hanging on to the saddle of the bull no matter what happens in my life. I've decided to follow Jesus.
3: too far.
2: Just raise your hand up like this right now. Jesus, pick us. <laughs> Send us. We have decided to follow you. Lord, we want to do it even if none is behind us, God. Even if we're the only one where we work or we're the only one in our class or the only one that uh, where, where we are in our friend group or at the gym or wherever it is, God, that we go. I've decided, we've decided to follow Jesus. Lord, would you help our hearts tenaciously pursue you? Lord, we receive the loving warning of a loving God that we don't wanna drift so far and so, hard, so, so far away that our hearts cannot come back to you in full repentance. And so Lord, we love you. We love you. We love all the things about your word that are easy and we love all the things about your word that are hard. And I pray as we chew on this this week that your Holy Spirit would, would get inside of us, deep inside of us. And God, we trust you today. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Can you just thank God for what he did today?
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.